Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 316 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. I'm joined this week by Cosmo Jarvis. I was really excited about this. I've been trying to line Cosmo up for ages and he feels like a bit of an enigma because I've not heard him do tons of stuff. A lot of you, if you heard the Florence Pugh podcast ages ago, I was a huge fan and my Films of the Year podcast the year before that. I was a huge fan of a film called Lady Macbeth. We talk about it in this episode. Um, And Cosmo and Florence were just the two people who just I'd never heard of or never seen anywhere, and they both blew me away. Um, So when Cosmo then popped up in Peaky Blinders, one of my favourite shows, and the performance he gave, I was like, this dude, man, this dude. Um, And then I got to go and see a preview of Calm With Horses, his new film, which um, is probably in the cinemas now or on Friday, but in cinemas soon or now. Um... And it's honestly, it's a jaw-dropping performance from Cosmo. You're going to be blown away. I can't recommend you getting out to the, the cinema to see it enough. People often say that my films of the year list opens them up to a lot of films, but normally films that are now, by the time the films of the year list comes out, are on demand or whatever else, and they're kind of gutted that they miss it in the, the cinema. I'm telling you, this is going to be on my films of the year list. I'm confident. I do a list of, what is it, 12 I do, or 16 or something. There's no way I'm going to see 15 films better than this, this year. It's it's fantastic. So anyway, this yeah, that's that's what's going on here. If this is your first episode, then you might want to go back and check out last week's episode with Neve Algar. Um, hopefully there won't be too much crossover in points I make about Calm With Horses, because she's one of... Cosmos co-stars. I'm going to stop rambling. You can get my music from speechdevelopmentrecords.com. I mentioned at the end of the episode with Neve that um, I'm not sure if it's on the on the recording or not. You'll hear at the end. Uh, Buddy Peace edits everything together, but there was a point where we finished the podcast, and Cosmo quoted a, a lyric at me from a song of mine called "The Struggle," and I proper kind of become a giggly schoolgirl. Because we'd probably hit it off, but again, I never had the assumption that anyone who comes on the podcast has any idea who I am. Um, it genuinely isn't something that ever seems to cross my mind. But um, yeah, he, he quoted one of my lyrics at me, and I was like, oh, shit, cool, oh, cool man. Okay. See, it's, so you've got that awkwardness to, to look forward to at the end. But um, the record that that song is from is out now on glow-in-the-dark vinyl, if we've got any left, at speechdevelopmentrecords.com. So, yeah, there's that. You do you. You don't need it, but if you want it, go and get it. Um, All right, let's get on with the podcast. This is, as mentioned, episode 316 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with Cosmo Jarvis. Um, I'm here with Cosmo Jarvis. How's it going, man? Not too bad. Good, good, good. Uh, it, it, we've just started to do the this, this, this sound check thing on the mics, talking about pizzas. And, yeah. you know, you touched upon how it's kind of weird with Domino's or any of these big brands. If you want anything basic, you're not really getting your money's worth. If you want to get, like, two pizzas, five sides, ice cream, yeah. the desserts, that's the only place you get value it's that's the really... only place you're going to get absolutely stuffed yeah like yeah. so often the the other the kinds of more i don't know what you'd call them what the appropriate wording would be but the special pizzas yeah the the nice sit down pizzas yeah, yeah, with, yeah, yeah with olives that come with olives and little bits of bread and stuff yeah they're usually i can't justify eight pounds for that Nah, it's 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 a bit outrageous isn't it because you're I... still gonna snack afterwards i am yeah Completely and 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 legit. Whenever I've been like in Europe, and you find the typical the the, the basic Italian restaurant, they'll have pizza for like four euros, and it'll yeah. be this huge, beautiful, the most tasty pizza you'll ever have. Yeah. And then if you want it kind of over here, it's 
12 quid. Yeah, but um, also, why is it that the pizzas... Like, I had a job a while ago in New York, and the pizza there was, like, you know, wholesome, big. It yeah. was a big piece. It was a big piece. And then it was, like, a, do- a dollar in some cases, a yeah. dollar for... Here, that's, like, four quid for the same quality of pizza and the same conveniently available pizza. It's weird, isn't it? The places that are better at pizza have it a lot cheaper, and the places that are worse yeah. at it charge you through the teeth for it. it it's annoying. Um, uh, just before we started, you had to um, inject yourself. You're diabetic. Type 1 insulin-dependent diabetic. How do you find that with, with, with work, with acting and with things like that? Is it something that you have to keep an eye on or manage... It's, yeah, you you do, a lot of people who have it, I've had it since I was two, a lot of people who have it are, are much better at being on top of it than I am. Yeah. Like, I remember when I was younger, finding out that Halle Berry had it, which was pretty cool. And <laughs> that's was like, amazing. And, and um, loads of people have got it now. It's one of those things that's just going to kill humanity. But yeah. the the juvenile kind, it's just, you just got to ch- test your blood all the time and then and, and inject the appropriate amount of medication for whatever whatever kind of food you're eating so it's better to eat things with no carbohydrate in but that's really hard yeah particularly on set right when when there's catering and cakes and and crisps and and sausage sandwiches or or everywhere will seem to every set these days will seem to have quite a diverse uh, lunch options right so you'll be covered there but it's those in between periods when you're having to wait around and there's like (laughs) the coffee bit has just got cakes and biscuits and all the stuff that you yeah. can't really Penguins. fuck with yeah exactly but i do i do mess with it <laughs> and i should and it just creates so many problems but uh, yeah th- there are ways of getting around it you can still munch out being a diabetic and yeah you just it's just not as yeah i do have those moments where i'm just like fuck it like massive thing of ice cream let's get go. me my pen yeah get me my <laughs> pen <laughs> bring me my pen it's gonna be a long evening we'll a- empty the entire cartridge into my stomach <laughs> yeah. in one go yeah as you're walking down the freezer aisle let's just let's just commit yeah, now in advance yeah <laughs> um well i mean we're here to talk about calm with horses which i do want to talk about because i saw it a month or two ago now, oh. and it's, it's jumped into a, a front a runner for one of my films, The Year Already. I absolutely adored it. But I oh, want to cool. talk about your journey there as well, because the first thing I saw you in was um, it was Lady Macbeth. Oh, wow. And it, it blew me away. I was it's, it's, it's weird to tell a story about myself here, but I was on set, because I moved from music into acting. Like We've got a similar journey in, in that way, and I was... I'd been called to set, and I was, I, was, I was sitting in the in the car with Chris Fairbank, who was it? Who was Whoa. in? Who was in it? And he's a legend. He's absolutely. He's got the best stories ever. I had him on this podcast, and we had to do two episodes because he just had so many stories. But I'm sitting in the car. His and Batman stories, mental. Yes, yes. He's got so many. His, his alien ones. His, yeah. yeah. He was one I'd just sit with on set and go, just tell me stuff, man. Yeah. Um, but I got, I was in the car, and just as we were about to leave, they said, oh, we don't need you today. So I got out and l- looked, and I'd wanted to see Lady Macbeth, and I saw it was on a cinema in Leeds. So I, r- I ran to the cinema and sat down, and it took me a second to get into it, because one of the first things that came on screen was Chris, who I'd just been in the car yeah. with. I was like, it was a really hard jump into the, from the Suspension reality. Suspension of disbelief. Yeah, I was like, oh, no, that's just the guy from the car just now. But I did get into it, and it blew me away, and... From speaking to Chris and and to Florence Pugh about it, it felt like it was a real team effort. Or was that the feeling on set? Obviously, it was William's first, his, his yeah. directorial debut. Yeah. And it felt like rather than overcompensating, and there was a lot of new people in there on with a lot of experienced people, but it seemed like, I don't know, it felt like everyone just, just came together on a project like that. Yeah, like I think that everybody was united in knowing that Alice had done this amazing adaptation and, and basically that was good just on its own. Yeah. And then it was cool to see how they had, in terms of like the production structure, made it, um, they'd made it very simple so as not to kind of like, I don't know, like they did it within their means just in this one location and it was just, so you knew it was the real deal when you showed up because yeah. it was all, it all felt very real and, and it was all a big kind of first thing for all of us. So, yeah. And it was, I mean, that was seems like a million years ago for me now. But it's, I know it was only like a few days ago, or years ago, but... It's mad, though, because it, it wasn't 
your debut, but it did feel like your breakthrough. And was that ability to immerse yourself in it key to that? Like from speaking to Florence, as she was saying at times, and and you know what happened to, to Florence Pugh? She's uh, she's doing amazing. Vanished off the face of the earth. She's smashing it. But um, smashing. She, she was saying that you would sleep in the barn sometimes and all sorts of stuff, and really throw yourself into it. So, so was that key for for a role like that and a, oh. a film like that? For, for Sebastian, it was kind of, yeah, it was like, I suppose part of it's because just thinking about it logically as though you've never heard anything about usual artistic processes. Yeah. It was, which is how I think about it, the same as it was with music as well and whatever, because, you know, our generations have been fortunate and been able to, like, kind of ha- happen upon these sort of crafts and, and whittle away at them as, as they please in the, at their own pace and their own manner. And so, like, with acting, I was kind of like, well, if the character is is who I read him as, then it would be helpful to the overall process to to keep yourself in in a similar level of discomfort yeah. and, and pain, both with regards to the practical circumstances of the fictional time it was set in. Like, yeah. you know, bedding wouldn't have been that good, duvets. Of course. You know, and, and just doing whatever possible... I, I really like that part of the job because it gives you a, a legitimate reason to be doing things which would otherwise be, you know, called um, what's it called? Self neglect or yeah. just generally stupid? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 great. Like it's really logical to me as well because it removes one job from your list. Absolutely, like, you don't have to act uncomfortable. Because you slept in a barn, you are uncomfortable. Yeah, your like, back's you can, fucked. Yeah, you're cold. You're you've probably got a cold. Yeah, you know your throat's messed up. You have zero self worth, zero self esteem. Yeah, and and you're unsure of what today will bring. Just like the characters usually who are being written about or presented or who've chosen to be portrayed are going through themselves. Yeah, and it it, it leaves you space to focus on other parts of it like you've got those bits ticked off rather than yeah. well as you said like your back's fucked you don't have to be thinking <laughs> i need to be a little bit awkward on my on my right leg because my back's throwing my spine yeah. off it's like no it really has so i can just i can just play that N- yeah it, it kind of it frees you to, well frees me i can't speak for everybody yeah obviously but it frees me to be able to just kind of like then just focus on, on on the presentness of everything and and reacting and acting and and being there emotion both emotionally and, and cognitively with the other person and all that shit. One because because like you say, it just it frees up a whole other area of what would otherwise be become work. Yeah. So so how was it? Because that must have been uh, a, a reasonably long and uncomfortable time. Because cause it was, it was all cold, windy, rainy. Yeah, you guys was... were proper, again, from from speaking to, to Florence, everyone just chipped in that you had... Absolutely. A dressing rooms were a room in this abandoned house that was cold, had a heater in the corner. And what those guys were going through too, like Naomi as well, with yeah. both having to put those corsets on and wire them, like strap themselves in every, every day. It, yeah. It was like, it was just a slog. But it wasn't that long. Right, I I, th- I can't remember exactly how long it was. Was it yeah. wasn't that long? Yeah. But the cool thing about it was is that in any downtime that was available, you were there anyway. Yeah, just kind of watching it, you know. And and there was so many other departments that you know they were all legends. So yeah. if I had nothing to do, I would work with them. If if they would, if insurance would allow it, of course. But you know, whatever. I would just. It was great Perfect. to just be in the mix with everybody. I'm, I'm I'm massive on that. I've banged on about it on the podcast loads, so I won't go on too much. But oh, with, cool. with every sh- TV show I've done and every film, when they've wrapped me, I kind of ask if I can just hang about. Because why do I want to go and sit in a hotel room yeah. and, and watch Inception again or Limitless or whatever's on, on hotel room TVs all the time? And wait until the moment comes where you have to go back downstairs and ask for another sachet of, of coffee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd... So it's like, I'd rather just hang out on set. And because, again, I didn't go to a drama schools or any of this kind of thing, it's like, I want to learn off these people. And exactly. It, and if you've got Chris Fairbank yeah. on set, it's like, I want to stay here with this dude as long as I can. Yeah, I, I, it's the same, like, for me, seeing the older, the more se- senior or experienced actors and and especially in the in the very early days of me just watching not just how they worked but also how they were in themselves when they worked was so like because you know when i was first starting out i was like what the fuck am i doing yeah and i mean i still am but completely but but, you know like (laughs) to see somebody i was like how do those guys get to that level where 
they can come to work and not be like perturbed by anything and they just do it even if it's like you know i was it was so the best education i ever had was starting to work yeah just observation on on the job on on the first ever gig i had i had a scene and there was a guy i was in this this scene with who was kind of new as well and he kept moaning to me because because we were, were just in the background and he was expecting to have dialogue and all this and i looked over and Aidan Gillen off The Wire and off so many good things, an wow. actor I really love, he was just in the background as well. So I was like, I'm going to ignore this angry guy next to me and focus on what that dude's doing because he's a huge... Like, he's an actor I look up to massively mm, and he's amazing. just he's just in the background. So it was watching people like that and observing and going, all right, I see what he's doing there. I see that he's got his own story going on but, but it's not imposing on anyone else yeah. and all that kind of thing. And, yeah, yeah, that's fascinating, isn't it? The way that, that that somebody can have their own thing going on that doesn't impose on anybody else and isn't needed for the overall process, yeah. but absolutely, but is also absolutely essential for the for the overall process. It's 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 one of the things I've learned because it 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 makes it all more enjoyable for you because if you are in the background and they're doing mm. twenty five takes of this bit of dialogue, you're going to get get bored. Whereas if you've given yourself a storyline that again isn't imposing anyone else then you can be playing that out each time and living it each time rather than thinking I wonder what's on lunch today yeah. I wonder what I wonder what time we're going to wrap yeah. all that kind of thing so yeah it's great to learn off people like that so did you did you find there were people that you were learning with as well so rather than those you particularly learnt off because again I always heard that William the director was very much look this is my first thing I need you all to work with me here if yeah. I'm doing something wrong mention it it might work if you've got an idea then let's let's work together so was it good to have people that are also yeah. kind of developing williams like the 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 best thing about working with him was he was really encouraging and non encouraging not in like a uh, you know in a, in a modern way of in, of how the connotations of the word moderate, yeah. modern have... Uh, sorry, what, what, I've mixed up all my words. Um, encouragement. Encouragement have, like, it means something... It can mean, you know, encouragement. Yeah. But he was just, like, pretty encouraging. He'd just be like... He'd want you to find the truth of the of the thing and and if you did have a, a, a query, he'd always be there. But, mo- but also being an observer as, as we were free to play things out, which yeah. was damn great yeah i love that so 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 how how was it on that one because i often think these things can or particularly in these industries every everything can feel huge and then they happen and your life doesn't change and this must have felt like a big role a big project and then it came out and it was critically acclaimed and adored but did you kind of have that kind of slight drop in after you're like, I'm waiting for it to come out. I'm waiting for it to come out. It comes out. Yeah, all I right, mean, dude. I was it's like, gone now. <laughs> I was so. I got into it so late. Like when I, I remember when I first attempted starting knocking on agents' doors, and I was already like, dude, you're like nearly thirty. Well, yeah. I was like, I was, I was must have been mid early early twenties. I can't remember now. But even then, I was like, I'm too old. I was early thirties, like a, a legit, and I'm hassling agents and, for the first and casting time. directors and all that for the first time yeah. but i didn't know how any of the structure of the business work i mean yeah. i still don't but I, I i literally i was like so an agent is like looks after actors then okay and then some people have managers yeah and then and then but is the agent the judge of the quality of the work or do they just want you to get work even it's if it's shit yeah. i have it took me so long to get my head around that especially after starting out with music yeah. And how all of the you know nefarious shit that goes on there it it's, was it's, it's an interesting tr- transition isn't it because in music there's so much that feels like you're self-managed self-controlled you're the master of your own destiny mm. within reason and then in acting it can't be that there's so many people yeah. who have to have an input and have to have a say it can be a really confusing Absolutely. process um so so yeah how was that when it it finally came out and then 
w- w- was there tons of job offers all of a sudden, or was there? You know, it was nothing. Uh, it was unremarkable. It was very <laughs> yeah. unremarkable. It was just it's like a slow. It, it's like any. I guess it's like any other job or any other thing. Like it was just carry on the way you you came from. You know, yeah, sort of thing. Changes. There was that bit of a like, oh shit, like you know. But the thing is, that's good because to keep the value of the mainstream pat on the back or the 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 kind of added uh self-worth that that um having great work readily available at all times like yeah. it's good to keep that minimal because at the end of the day like it is i don't know like it's the same with music isn't it it's like nobody really knows why any work's good and it doesn't detract from your capacity as an artist if you lack mainstream pats on backs yeah yeah completely and it it, it can it although it seems that you spend half your career ch- chasing those mainstream pats on the back. They can be the most confusing things to your artistic process because despite yeah. them being a mainstream pat on the back, it's still people, it's still humans embracing it. So, again, like people can say, I'm an artist, I don't care what the industry thinks, but you do care what people think. You care if an audience is embracing it. So if it mm. has this big push, then you're then left questioning, well, why did that work? Yeah. What was I doing in that? Because you weren't thinking at the time of creating that, oh, this is my big mainstream thing. But that's the thing, because then as mi- the minute that you start looking for those those uh, uh, attributes that that amazing work had yeah. that was, like, you know, backed up and everything, and then start trying to emulate them, you're in a bit of a pickle because it's never gonna work. you're stagnant. And, yeah. You know, like, I always think about how Paul McCartney must feel every time he's got to play, like, you know blackbird or something yeah like still yeah like it's hot the way that old works as well can just haunt you oh god completely it's a bizarre one because again what people particularly i mean going on the music front now particularly if you're a touring musician you know that you're hearing that song every night mm. yet the audience that's the first time they've got to hear it live. Yeah. And they might not again for six months. So it means the world to them, and you have to try and find that in in your performance, in making it mean the world to you, despite yeah. the fact you perform it. It's one that you've been doing for years, and you want them to hear the new material that you're hyped about, but yeah. you also need to give them that, that one that means the world to them that they don't get to hear every night, I totally. guess. Totally. So, it's a, yeah, it's a weird process of combination. But I think I always try and highlight it and talk about it uh, when I can because I think we really build up the the path to big moments in careers and lives and we never talk about the actual impact and it can be really disheartening when you get one of those and you think your life is going to change and then you wake up the next morning and you go all right so I've had a film out now (laughs) I'm still a bum with no bed (laughs) there's still nothing going on um so how was your approach to to roles after that because again there's there's two schools of thought on this Stephen Graham always said to me that if he was a decorator if someone asked him to decorate a house he'd go and decorate that house he'd do his job he wouldn't be going I'm not really sure about that house I don't know if it's the house for me to to, to, fair play to decorate but then equally there has to be some selectiveness like you look at yeah. There's certain people's careers you look over and you go, wow, they look, literally everything they did was a work of art. There's yeah. not that kind of up and down bit. But you you can't predict that ahead of the project, you know? No. You don't know you don't know until it's done. I hear the anal- the analogy is really good. Yeah. But then also that depends on your standards of living because if you have malleable standards of living, yeah. and you don't like, you know, for example, I don't know have a TV or an Xbox or whatever, or you or you or you make your own coffee before you leave. If you add up all them cheapskate things that I yeah, do, yeah, yeah. then it means that you can hold out a little bit longer. Yeah, for a for a for a script that's really might might be really like an artistically worthy, you know, pilgrimage. Yeah. So so how 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 has that been um, after something that was so critically acclaimed and again the performances and the direction and and the writing was all just rightfully praised with lady macbeth how's it been choosing roles since then because again you can take that reservation and you can wait and you can pick the right thing but you still don't know what it's going to be 
I mean, even by the time you get on set, let alone by the time it's been edited mm. and by the time it's out and by the time there's been changes. You're and, a different person by yeah, then. Yeah. Your so, life's so, completely different. So how have you found kind of traversing that? Because it's... Well, yeah. I took the... Yeah, it was weird, just totally <laughs> weird. Because you, like, blow all of this and, it, like, you give everything to, to this thing and then and then you you leave every, everything and then, like, year, years years go by and then... And then that's the last kind of quality control, you know, that you might be able to do on yeah. what you do for for work. So that's one part of it. Yeah. But then I guess just in terms of the actual work, I the rate of uh, self education is just exponential and yeah. continues to be, for, and it actually makes things better because you know even though I still like to. Try to do the kind of work that I think is is decent. Then uh, I, I can also have a little bit less stress. <laughs> like because before it was like it was at the point where I would turn up for a job and I would I'd just be like, oh crap! Like I want I would be like, you know, I'm there, I'm gonna do it. But but the more you do, the more it the more it is familiar. Like, the process. From becomes yeah. familiar yeah so but it's still really weird isn't it it's it's quite it's just a weird job it's it's getting the balance i guess Stephen knight is someone that's that's blown me away as a writer because he seems to have his projects that he writes and he show runs and it's everything he's so involved in everything and it's his heart and soul mm. but then he has his projects he writes and then hands off to someone else and he seems good at relinquishing that control right. and, and that emotional attachment. And a lot of those things he writes and hands off become absolutely amazing. Mm. But some of them, I'm sure, aren't what he wanted them to be or aren't the vision he had. But he seems to have that balance of here's the ones that are just a job mm. and here's the ones that I'd, I'd die for. Like, this is this is my everything. And yeah. I think that's, that's, that's something to aspire to at times because equally, you can't... It'd be hugely mentally and physically taxing if every job you got was the one that you're having to pull yourself apart for and but that's a good thing for, right? that's a good i think that's yeah. a, it, it would be it would be taxing yeah yeah, yeah. But, but there are ways of i probably of like it'd be a process of learning yeah. and, and working a lot i guess but but there, there's a there's a way of 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 keeping that balance i hate that word balance but <laughs> it's true though man it's keeping essential. that stuff balanced you know so so how was it when uh peaky blinders came along because i think that's a great series and i thought your role and your performance in that was was absolutely fantastic it oh, blew me away your you, approach sir. to it you yeah it was so and it's it's, it's something that we'll talk about in calm with horses because it's so f- fragile but also so dangerous and deadly and kind of explosive as such so how was that to be to join a show like that and be part of that it was mental yeah i mean it was uh, i hadn't watched it but i was well aware i have this problem where if something becomes legendary i just don't want anything to do <laughs> yeah, with it I feel, yeah. and so i was like that with that in fact and it's gone to the point where i'm pretty much just like that with any technology and modern streaming all of it i'm just yeah. like nah Not because because everyone likes it so yeah. you know i'll get a cb radio as if or whatever you yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah. but when i <laughs> yeah. first heard of it i was like whoa that's pretty cool and then I, the scene itself and 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 barney yeah it, it, i really liked that it was um kind of self-contained yeah and because usually i'm scared of tv not scared but yeah scared uh, in what way <laughs> because because there's so much of it yeah and and i i think back to the old days with music and and how that got completely reinvented and it's i'm not saying it's a bad thing it's just something that i'm just a bit wary of because there's just so much stuff being made all the time yeah. on every subject for every demographic yeah it gets to the point where i find myself wishing that it was more like the old days when you'd save up and then go see one of a few films that you really wanted to see and then you'd you know really and they would be works of standalone genius or or even standalone you know uh what's the word mediocrity but yeah but still it uh, the choice it's like when you go to the cornflake aisle and it's like there's a bazillion different kinds of cornflakes yeah and you're like well do we need this many different kinds of of of, of breakfast cereal you know it's it's it, it, 
it, the comparison to music is 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 is, is a really clear one because it's it's the devaluing of it. It's again, I completely remember as a teen saving up to buy that one album that month or that mm. couple of months and l- listening to that album inside and out. Whereas now, because we've got everything available on Spotify or wherever else, I don't think people are doing that. It's easy to jump onto the next thing and. And the notion of checking something out now is totally different from what it was when I was a kid. Like yeah. the notion is just like, oh, I'll have a look at what that is. Like you, you'd have to invest in it or go through secondhand vouchers in your social circles to get be like, oh yeah, the, you know, there's this band, yeah, like whatever, it's Rage Against the Machine. You yeah. know, when you're a kid, have you heard them? Like, yeah, oh, whoa, Rage Against the Machine, sweet. I'll, maybe I'll check them out because I, you know, you seem like a cool dude, and I like, you know, we skate together, so. I'll have a poke, see what it's yeah. like. That kind of thing. Now you Completely. you can just check anything out, anytime, anywhere, and and you don't have to even fully ch- check it out. You can check out the first few yeah. seconds as you're doing something else. You can skim, of. yeah, while you're on the john. And 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 that is a worry with TV because I think Netflix and Amazon. I think again, I'm I'm a fan of them. I really am, but I do worry as well because there will be things that. I, w- I watch and think are absolutely amazing, and in a month I'm thinking, oh, what was that show that I watched? Yeah, 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 yeah. But and it's because of that. I, I love that I get to consume, and particularly, again, if you're trying to learn an industry, if you're trying to learn from great people, to watch great TV is an amazing g- gift. But, yeah, even with that, I genuinely have it all the time going, what, what was... I saw something earlier this year that I loved, but yeah. I, can't, I can't place it, so... And also another thing that's contributed to that is this, like, there's such a... Uh, readily available library of of previous aesthetics from artistic from historical art, artistic works, whether it's musical film, yeah. and so now you can't. You, I feel like it's more difficult to judge um, to judge whether something's decent based on the aesthetic that it immediately presents because everybody has access to that quality of production now. Yeah, and something can look beautiful and pristine and look like it has some like credible undertones of artistic anguish but that's just because it's 2020 and everything looks fucking great yeah and they can put a filter on it that makes it look deep and meaningful and 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 gritty the cameras are like at the best they've ever been stuff like that but so so but then you look at it and you're like actually there's no core to this like this isn't the this doesn't have the same emotional or philosophical undertones that things that I'm used to seeing being presented this way are not, or things that usually are presented this way are usually known to have, you know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Peaky was sick. It was mental to work with that. I hadn't, it, I was, it was a really like a step up to the plate sort of thing for me in, in my mind. And, 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 and it was just great to work with them all. They were sick. Exciting one. And, and did you, you mentioned the kind of the isolation of the role, and it's one of the things I think was great. Like, I remember speaking to, to Riz Ahmed after he'd done his Star Wars film, because we used to, to rap together sick. back in the day, and he'd done his Star Wars. And I watched it, and I was like, mate, you've absolutely nailed it, because you've been part of this huge franchise, but it's a standalone. And spoiler alert, his character dies everyone dies um so it's kind of perfect because it's not one of them where you you get on board with star wars and it's exciting but that's your career for the next 10 15 years you literally can't really do anything else and i think he nailed it in that and it's it's similar with your character in in peaky and again spoiler alert here but he he dies (laughs) so you get to go and be part of this huge thing but then leave. I was speaking to to Anthony Byrne, the director, about it, and he was saying that him and Stephen were really into your performance, into your character. Oh, Anthony, yeah, and, legend. Yeah, and, and and Stephen said, you know, should we not kill him off? Like, should, should we keep him in? And Anthony was like, we need to kill him off. Like, we need someone to like. Well, that's it, the it's key to it that this character is this rich and someone that the audience is going to be like, oh, I want to hear more from him. And then bang. One one day on the set, Stephen Knight came up to me and. Came up to me, approached me, um, <laughs> and uh, and I'd never met him before. But I I could tell in that moment because somebody somebody left like a circle and said by by Stephen. I was like, fuck, that's him. That's the dude. And then he came up to me and he was like, oh yeah, I really like Barney. And I was like, 
oh, thank you, Mr. Knight. Yeah. And, and then he goes, maybe we don't, you know, maybe we don't have to, maybe he doesn't have to die. And I was like, oh, what? I was well looking forward to getting shot in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, and then later on I realised that that might have been one of those, like, stories where you just mess up your future prospects. No, man, I think it, <laughs> I, I genuinely, I think it's absolutely key. I had a thing, so I work on a Stephen Knight thing called Taboo, and there was a point where they were kind of debating someone had to be killed, and... Tons of people were saying, "No, no, it wouldn't be my character." It be my... <laughs> because, because, because a character had to be the 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 kind of the grass or the snitch who'd gone behind people's back. And I kind of looked at my character and I was like, "My character would do that. My character hasn't got any loyalty to these the main leads of of the show. He would be looking out for himself and the guy he's the right hand man to." And I didn't end up getting killed, but it impressed people that. I cared more about the story than yeah. career or my. Do you know what I mean? And it's the same with Barney. He had to die. He it's had so to die. good that he died. You know, you could have, if you'd been career minded in that moment and gone, yeah, I've got a lot of ideas for him and this and that, then it wouldn't have been the same character, it, wouldn't have had that same impact. Exactly. The fact that he died after all of that, after all of that, like, that mm. was established in that initial scene, that, that's why Mr. Knight is, is great, is because yeah. he, he has the balls to, to do things like that. And, and life is like that. People, people like, set off to do things and then they just get shot in the face. It's, it's, it's why I love it when stuff is based on, um, on true stories, on, 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 on real people, particularly crime stuff, because you can't do the you will have that thing. There was um, there was an Australian crime thing, um, Underbelly. There was a, a really good Australian c- crime thing that was all based on a load of stuff that had happened. And to the extent that, that when it came out, it wasn't allowed to be aired in a certain part of Australia because the court cases are, were still going on. What? So they were w- worried about it influencing juries or things like that. And in that, it was great because you'd have a character in a couple of episodes, you'd be like, this guy's going to be the star. He's amazing. He's so enigmatic, so charismatic. And then, bang, he's dead. Yeah. And it's like, if it wasn't true story, that character, as soon as they started filming him, they would have gone, we're going to keep this guy. He's going to yeah. be series three. He's going to be the main guy. He's going to become the new boss. But no, they have to go. And that's what Stephen's amazing at. Yeah. Not, not writing in, here's a character that we're going to kill, so let's just put him in there to be killed he'll put him in there to make the audience care about him to make the audience l- love him and then go well as it happens yeah and it's he's gone it's also amazing how like he can keep he can keep things ambiguous yeah but still but not that annoying brand of ambiguous which is i see a lot of nowadays like his it, Stephen knight's brand of ambiguous it went with regards to like somebody's inner workings and stuff like this yeah. usually as lead characters it's like it's cool because you're still totally involved and you're rooting for them and and but you kind of know in some case some of his characters like you're just like it's never on the nose yeah enough to to look like it's trying to fit into the skin of a of a of a, of a film or narrative format you know 100%. like how they usually do like yeah you know when the first person that you see this person okay well but judging by the light i'd say this person is my protagonist you know yeah yeah but then again it's giving that respect to almost everyone because a, a thing that I always kind of try and focus on in acting is is that every in the real world everyone is the protagonist in their story yeah so every character on that screen in their head is the fucking protagonist is the, is, yeah. is, is the lead character so so why not present in that way yeah you know and I think that's yeah that's great but anyway I'd, I'd let's get on to talking about calm with horses because it, it felt like Barney almost inf- informed the character of Arm a little bit. I don't know what the timing was of filming. I can't but, even remember now. But they were both kind of really, as I said, delicate people, kind of clearly with some trauma in their lives and some some mental health issues and stuff like that, but both also kind of being used as 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 a weapon. Yeah, pawns in yeah. some way, yeah. So, so, I never so, thought of that. So how was it to get to get the, that character of Arm in Calm with Horses? Because the cast is amazing. Um, I remember when they were putting it together, I was on Shaheen Baig's case constantly because I was like, look at what this, this, this looks amazing. This is going to be the best. So how was that to, to get that role and to find that character? I mean, getting the role was like, you know, I was like, 
this is never going to happen again instantly. Yeah. So I was like, you know, it needs to be nailed in, yeah. in every sense of the word. Or so is, it was, was another d- d- directorial debut, right? Yeah, Nick That's... Rowland's first... I mean, to be fair, though, his shorts that he made before yeah. are brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it almost looks like somebody who's been directing feature films for a long time then just decided one year, I'm going to make a short, you know? Yeah, That's what yeah, the short that I saw of his looked yeah. like. And But it was his first feature film, and, it, 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 yeah, it was weird because we, we were all quite a similar age group, like me, yeah. Nick, and the producer, Dan, and, and you know, obviously hungry, uh, late 20s hungry. Yeah. So that was cool yeah, to, yeah, to yeah, be yeah. In, in a boat like that with those guys. But, yeah, I mean, getting it, it was just like, you know, full steam ahead then. After that, it was just my whole life be, be, became doing that. And then, um, yeah, thank you, Shaheen. So so how was it f- finding your, your tone on that character? Because what I really liked was he's not, He's not a fucking idiot. He's not a fool. He's but he's he's got an innocence and things like that. But he's, he, you know, there's a lot of layers to him and a lot of depth in there. And it would have been easy to play the kind of, yeah, the idiot meathead who's being used yeah. and being pushed around and being used as a pawn. But there was far, far more to it than that. And we saw that with some of the scenes with Neve and some of the scenes with your Neve's brilliant, the kid in it. Yeah. It's, again, it was an amazing cast. Absolutely yeah. amazing. So, yeah, how, how did you go from what was on the page to what you presented in front of camera? Well, the, the amazing thing about the, the writing of it was was it was like it had a lot of qualities that Stephen Knightstaff had where, yeah. where you can tell that every word chosen to be spoken by any character has a reason to be there and it's all consistent w- with the environment that it's supposedly taking place in. There was a lot to do, but but the the structure of everything was fine. So then it was just like, I had this mate from back home called Steve... I won't give a second. Steve. <laughs> yeah. And um, he was a bit... I instantly recognised something in him that could be the grounding of my understanding of how I was reading Arm. Right. And, he, and you know, he's like he's not stupid. He's switched on in ways I'll never be switched on. But And he's physically powerful, but then he he would easily be somebody who you could just, like, if you were, you know, n- nastily minded, you, you could convince him to, you know help you move house yeah. all day <laughs> yeah. while you sat and do tea just drink tea you know reading the paper and he's been there for six hours like carting yeah. your armchairs out or, or whatever that was so i was like that is something that i've met and i've seen a lot of people that i've met throughout my life and so it was important then to make to not fall for the protagonist the, yeah. the 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 male the the male lead thing I, I I guess like not make him like an action hero seeming dude completely you know like justify that he he had to be as plausible as, as the the whole um the relationship with his with Neve Ursula and his son it, all of that had to be not not I felt responsible for helping that to not be. Uh, mistaken for a a trope yeah in a thriller yeah yeah yeah. i mean not responsible i just i just felt it could i knew i was aware that it could have gone that way the way and so i was like i'll I'll just try and give the the steve-ness to it (laughs) how do you enjoy kind of the the transformation for for roles because because i think from what you're, you're saying there a key part to the character in many ways was letting the physicality cover the here's the action. Do you know what I mean? Not, not playing the character, but, but because of that, you had to bulk up. You got you looked yeah. huge for it. So it's that kind of how was that the transformation? And 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 obviously it's Irish, so the accent yeah. was that something that you enjoy? Kind of going right. I need to build this character rather than I need to play this character. I need to build them as well. Yeah. It- for for me, it, that that was the first part of the practical task. The rest of it, the emotional side of it, was or, or, or the you know the actual, the, I guess what would they call it? Acting, I guess. Yeah, acting. <laughs> the the, the <laughs> acting part of it was not my initial worry. It was it was those things like that you're describing yeah. the the things that, that I tried 
get locked in place before and you know the doing all of that stuff that was the bare minimum that he needed aesthetically in terms of the voice in terms of the the build and the posture yeah. like so that and then as i was doing that work i just played around with being in it for as long as possible until until i i no longer felt any worry about having to do like a scene because that stuff would just be already on me yeah i love that how was it working because your character has a a great relationship or or a key relationship not, <laughs> not great at all with with barry uh, yeah Kieran, who's, who's Let, been on the podcast amazing. as well and he blew me away just talking to him in person. I'd watched him in a lot of stuff. I loved Love Hate. I loved Killing of the, of the Sacred Deer. I've been a fan of him. Yeah. But meeting him and realising he's just a lad off the estates. He's just, just a, a lad. proper little a little scally. And it's... I know. Yeah, it's perfect. I felt the same way because when I first saw him, I was like, I was like, who's that kid? Who's that kid? Yeah. Like, and, then, and then I met him and it was like, I, I was expecting some like... I don't know what I was expecting, but then he then he's just like, all right, I'm Barry. He he's done quite like, arty films, so I'd always assumed he was a bit of a drama school kid, a bit, you know, that, all yeah. that. And then he's not; he's just a proper, a proper little lad. Yeah, he's just grafting. Yeah, and that's yeah. it. And that, yeah. it's so funny because I think a lot of people probably thought that, but he's just not like that. He's the most down to earth dude, one of the most down to earth dudes I've ever worked with. So, and, and he's constantly cracking like cracking jokes. I was going to say, is, <laughs> is, is, is that key? Is the relationship? off screen key to getting the relationship right on screen as well because it felt like they had to have a genuine friendship so that it isn't just obvious that he's exploiting the, the as I said the big guy who will move his whole house for him as he drinks tea if he wants to yeah to- totally we just I think subconsciously you just do it anyway when you arrive on a job yeah you you, you break down the, the superficial barriers that you, you socially well, I don't know. I don't always do it. I mean, I don't really... It doesn't really matter, but in this film, because of the nature of it and because we were all out there and because there was a lot of discussion about how things might go down and things like this, we all just got pretty busy pretty quickly with just getting to getting to know each other and and Barry had his girlfriend with him, so we were all just, you know, chatting and we'd see each other. Like, it was impossible not to see each other because every time you come in the hotel, there was somebody waiting in the entrance. Yeah, and, yeah. And then you'd, you know, you'd go get, like, some bangs and mash or a pint or something. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So, I mean, another... Obviously, in, in Lady Macbeth, you worked with F- 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 Florence, who's gone on to just absolutely smash Astro. it. Astro. Neve feels like she's next she's smashing in, in it. the virtue she was absolutely amazing and then all of a sudden calm calm with horses she's equally just mind mind-blowing her performance because the the again it would have been easy to go into tropes there of the the angry ex or or yeah. the put upon single mother but neve totally makes it real like she's the, the real deal the scene of you guys in 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 the diner mm. is just for both the characters it's just so perfect to give that extra level and depth and dimension of you switching back into it feels like there's a real history because you switch into the the past rather than what yeah. we've seen so far where she's having to be strong for the kids and she's annoyed at at, at the the absent father as such yeah yeah there's that moment there where your teenagers on a first date again and it's <laughs> it's fucking it's great so yeah. how was that to find those moments and those those relationships with it, someone like me it was great i mean we we we, we hung out before like when yeah. i when i've obviously because we i think we both knew that we had to but in hanging out we just got on really well anyway right and you know i was it's weird because you sit down with this intention of trying to do, to know somebody to maybe better serve the portrayal but then you end up like just chewing shit you know for yeah. ages and that was really cool um because then it just isn't it doesn't seem as much like work and at the same time as you're talking about all of these things about like your life and this place that we're in now and all this stuff like you um you still don't really exchange anything solid about the work, like in terms of you know you're not exchanging how we're going to do this. Or, what about that scene? Here's our plan. We're not like there's none of that. You just you know that when it kicks off, it'll kick off, and the time for that to happen is when it happens. And everything in the meantime is just the most that you can be doing to guarantee that that is a slick operation. And again, I think it can be overlooked because I'm again like I'm I'm the same. I'm not always. Mr. We're on set, let's socialise and all that kind of thing. It can vary from job to job. But 
when you have that, it just means subconsciously you're more comfortable when you are on set mm. to go places that you might not have been comfortable otherwise. Do you know what I mean? Even if you're not spending that time socially working on the character and, and planning the scene, it means you're, you're getting so comfortable with each other that when you do need to go, right, here's where I'm going on this. Yeah, there's, no, there's nothing holding you back yeah. at all. But also, like, as I've continued to work, I've realised that some people, some people just... Some people are better acquainted with that ability than others, and I'm yeah. like it's taken work on my part to get to, to to understand that once you have the you've been vouched for in terms of getting a job, and so nobody's going to say if you do go full whack, don't go full whack, Other, yeah. unless it's a, d- a directorial note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nobody's going to want you to hold back for like etiquette's sake or something like that like sorry etiquette in the real world's yeah, sake you know yeah. and it took me a while to to realize that and i mean i think it's just part of getting older as well you just generally give less fucks don't you yeah i mean when i had vicky mcclure on the podcast she talked about how in 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 this is england where when her and johnny harris had these brutal scenes that they kind of had to agree beforehand mm. that just everything's all right and we'll deal with it at the end of the day yeah. because they couldn't end every scene by going oh i'm sorry is that absolutely is you couldn't apologize and break out of it. you had to go just w- 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 walk away from each other mm. and come back and do it again because it wouldn't have worked if every time you're having that as i said that etiquette issue of i've gone full whack and then you go cut and again it's a completely natural and human thing that as soon as it's cut you're like was that, okay, I, I, I'm sorry if that was if I grabbed you too hard or if I went yeah. too far. It's like that's not going to help anything if that's if that's in your head, I guess. Yeah, we well, did a film called Farming, yeah. and I, I had a small part in that, and it was brutal because we had to we had to be these like terribly, terribly racist people and right. do terribly, terribly horrible things to the character that Damson Idris was playing, and. And it's shit because <laughs> I, for that job, because I was, I mean, I, 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 I had this impulse to just be like, dude, I'm so fucking sorry. Yeah. Like, or like, or, you know, if, is it all right if I, you know, strangle you a bit harder or whatever the yeah, fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then that was not helpful for him and his yeah. work at, at, on that day. And so it's such a weird job. It's just yeah. a weird job. It's exactly as you said at the start. It kind of comes full circle as as we're coming to the end of the chat. It's giving you less that that, that you have to fake. Mm. If you're strangling him a bit much, he's he's going to l- let you know, and that's good. Yeah, because that's that's how. And again, that's not to say that you should be dangerous in on set or anything like that, but. It it all adds to it, and it's it all like adds that, to the. There's an actor called Frederick Frederick Schmidt. He's he's right. he's, he's amazing, and, and he, he he. I had a small part of the thing with him once, and he, he the amount that he was strangling me. I was just someone who like I was playing someone who who broke into his house. The yeah. amount he was strangling me made my performance good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like it was great. <laughs> Completely, it's easier. A, a Willem Dafoe in uh, in the lighthouse. A, a oh, I still need to see that. It's great, but there's a bit where, essentially, it's not a big spoiler, but essentially, someone's trying to bury him alive, and they literally just started to bury him alive. And he he said afterwards, he was like, "That was perfect because I didn't have to act. There was I felt really uncomfortable and scared, and there was so- soil going in my mouth. So wow, I was terrified. And the performance is mind blowing. But it's like, yeah, that's because we just did it. And he's an old school kind of drama guy, kind of. So he's really immersed yourself and all that kind of thing. And it's yeah, that's why it's, sometimes it's so laughable the amount of um, the, the amount of like new uh, um, discipline, the new, new kind of bureaucracies that yeah. that contaminate processes like this because it's like between the health and safety and the insurance and the everything, it's like it, it makes it makes finding authenticity, which is free, yeah. Costly. <laughs> as as genuinely, I was sitting at home the other day after a day on set f- for a thing, and I started to rub my head, and I was like, "Oh man, I've got a spot coming up. This is terrible. I'm f- I'm filming again tomorrow." And I realised, no, I just had a lump on my head because I'd been headbutting the door in every scene, <laughs> for, and, and I'd been going to. In the moment, I hadn't really g- g- given a shit, but I'm sitting at home watching TV, going, "Ah, oh, that's a weird. Oh no, I've been headbutting the door all day." No, but that's that's because that's that's what. 
constantly. You, I've literally. You don't got, have to. You don't have to fake that. Fake an impact of you kind of pretending to. It's like no, just the amount of disclaimers I've got from <laughs> from producers who like. I, Cosmo Jarvis, you know, agree that I nobody asked me to smash my knuckles against the container, the, the container. Nobody asked me to hit my head against the bar or whatever it is, but it's like... And I remember once we were doing the, this act of Phil Ettinger, 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 like, he hit me and him out of the scene and he, and he hit a wall and his fist went straight through the wall and missed a piece of... Re- you know, like, the, the reinforcing yeah, yeah, yeah. rod kind of things in, yeah. in concrete? He missed one of them by, like, an inch. And if he'd have hit it with the velocity that he threw that punch, he would have smashed his knuckles to pieces. And immediately after the take, he was like, that was such an actor thing to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely. Now, well, I mean, I'll, there's tons I want to talk about, but I'll wrap things up as we're, as we're on the hour mark. I just want to kind of ask, what was this always your dream... Like, what kind of kid were you? Or were you looking at uh, acting or music or, or anything in between? Yeah. Or what did you think as a kid? What was your, your I mean, goals and dreams? Like everybody, I had a pretty unusual upbringing. Yeah. And from a young age, I was always making things and, and doing things and, and trying to master creative processes because it was nice because they were all because they're so intangible and, and actually pretty much so meaningless depending on which way you look at it i love art but i also know it's just you know cave paintings it's just squiggles the beautiful squiggles but squiggles and yeah. same with acting and same with music and all that but but at the same time i, I quite like the idea of trying to bring a code uh, a, a, a codifiable sort of uh, discipline to something that is uncode un incrementable totally ridiculous yeah, yeah that was always an appealing idea and, I, and as i grew up i realized it was kind of just a coping mechanism because of the state i was in in my when i was younger but it, but it, but it, but it, but it, it was always something that i wanted to keep working at and that like music was the first one because living in devon like acting just isn't an option <laughs> it's not like, on the list is it you live in the middle of country yeah. bumpkin land you know you're like you're screwed so then but then luckily I, I don't fully hate and regret what i did with music because it meant that i could ha- have a small chance at getting to be able to knock on that first agent's door mm. and um but it is always something that i wanted to do yeah, because I always felt like my old man should have been an actor, but he wasn't because he was from a different generation. Where you know right. you get sent off to the to the merchant navy when you're fo- <laughs> very illegally young, and, yeah. and so you know, yeah, I was he, that was from his school. But um, you know, my mum and my dad introduced me to all this amazing stuff of, and so then I was like, and by the time I realised it, it was probably just because I was inept at doing anything else, <laughs> academic or, yeah. um, you know. It was already too late by the time I realised that. I'm already... I mean, I'm 30. What am I going to do? I'm screwed now. Just yeah. got to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so, so so what is ahead? Is there a plan? Is there a... Because, again, obviously, a, a project like Calm With Horses, it's a, a... Because it will have been low budget as well and independent, it's hard to get these, these fucking things even in cinemas, let mm. alone anyone out to see them. Um but it will have been a project that you've all that's that's been a lot of work for everyone involved for a long time, and now it's about to come out, and hopefully people are going to see it. So, what's next? Is it the kind of you wake up and nothing's changed, or is it you've done that once and now you know here's what I want to do? Here's the here's my motivation. I mean, yeah, I think it'll be more of that unremarkable <laughs> sort of <laughs> feeling, and, and and just a case of like, unfortunately, like once more work you get, I mean, I do, you don't have to like. It's interesting what you said earlier about that, you know, guy who's the, the plumber would just take every job yeah, because yeah. that is true. And I'm always using analogies for this craft yeah. or creative crafts that are based in how people with more practical work uh, go go about defining their work. Like, you know, yeah. you, you, it's, it, it, at the end of the day, you try and just do good work like anybody would. But unfortunately, I have to be a little bit more picky because I don't want to do the same thing twice and I want to keep the people that I'm portraying are different from each other in as many aspects yeah. as is possible. But it's like, you just got to go roll with the punches, I guess. I, yeah. I have no immediate... I have so many, like, aims and projections and stuff, but I also have none. Yeah. And, and that's cool. And I, at the minute, it's just a case of, you know, don't die by any avoidable circumstances. <laughs> that, I'll be happy with that. That's the perfect <laughs> approach and outlook. And it seems to be working. As said, 
Lady Macbeth was 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 on my films of the year list that year, and Calm oh, of Horses mate. was the first film this year that made me go, "Fuck, that was yeah." It's just amazing. <laughs> oh, the, I'm so glad the, you enjoyed the, it. The balance of be- be- beauty and brutality was just. I've not seen that that work so well in a long time. So yeah. Thank you very much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Pleasure speaking. Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely to speak to you and meet you and everything. No problem at all. Thank you, man. Legend. Here we go. I have my Bang. addictions and they have me. Yeah, they're right. Oh, <laughs> wicked. Oh, no. Yeah. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was Cosmo. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I'll be back next week, um, as ever, keeping the outro nice and brief here. Um, if you're a fan of podcasts, then go and check out Pod Bible, Pod Bible magazine. But the, the, the key takeaway from this is um, go and see Calm With Horses. It's wicked. Um, thank you all for tuning in. I will be back next week. Ta-ta.